This is episode 25 of Bella in Your Business. Welcome to Bella in Your Business, where Bella will discuss anything and everything about your pet sitting business to help you land on target. So get ready. Bella's got your shoot. Let's jump. Welcome to Bella in Your Business, where we talk about everything in and around the pet business. I'm your host, Bella Vasco with Jump Consulting. Today, I've got a real treat for you. I've got Holly Cook with me, and she has authored a book that is just going to help so many pet sitters in our industry. To give you a little background, Holly started pet sitting in 1994, and she won the Pet Sitters International Pet Sitting Business of the Year Award in 2004. She has also been serving the pet industry by becoming a state ambassador for PSI, in 2005 and authored several articles and presented at several testing conferences. She's even developed a donation drive for communities devastated by the disaster of Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Sandy, and many others. Most recently, as I was saying, Holly authored the book, My End of the Leash, Compassion Fatigue from Pet Sitter Perspective. I've read this book from cover to cover and it's just incredible. It is an easier read that can be done in a couple hours, but with an impact that will last a lifetime. Holly, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? Thank you for having me, Bella. I'm fine. So why don't we start off with, you know, most of us talk about burnout, but I want to know, what is compassion fatigue? Compassion fatigue is a natural consequence of the work that we do as professional pet sitters. It stems from the physical and emotional exhaustion that comes from the constant demand of caring and from the interaction with the animals we are caring for, as well as the interactions that we have with our clients. So because we care, we are vulnerable to compassion fatigue, and it's inevitable that somewhere along the line, most pet care professionals will suffer from it. It's a gradual erosion of what makes us compassionate. So the very qualities that make us exceptional at our job are the very things that make us vulnerable. Ah, so would an example of that be something like my client has a pet that's going through a really hard time and I almost take that on emotionally because I care so much about them. But over time, taking on all of their caring does chip away at my own capacity to have compassion. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, yep, kind of. Compassion fatigue is cumulative and the effects of it range from an altered worldview and sense of safety to a buildup of negative imagery based on the traumas that you have experienced. So there are like eight personal traits of people in the pet care world that can suffer from compassion fatigue in a more impactful way. So those traits would be One, being a highly dedicated professional, which we all are because that's part of our personality. That's part of who we are. That's why we got into doing what we're doing. Number two is we always expect positive feedback about our work. And if we don't get positive feedback, we start to feel defeated. And if we've done something wrong, let's say in a trauma situation or in a situation where we're caring for a pet and the pet has become very ill because of something we've done, that defeat becomes shameful defeat. And that's a really hard situation to get out of. Number three would be like a high demand for personal competence. So we expect more out of ourselves than we expect out of other people. So we hold ourselves to a very high standard and usually we can't live up to that. 
The fourth would be a personal history of exhaustion and overall lack of self-care. And that used to be like the buzzword, if you remember back in the 80s and 90s where the type A personality came in and it was applauded Mm -hmm. that if you were a type A personality, it was applauded and you were expected to be this superwoman when you're working. That type A personality is actually not a beneficial thing to be. (laughs) Right, Um, of course. The fifth thing would be a large workload. We tend to take on more than we can handle, or we tend to take on more than what we expect other people to handle. Again, it's that type A personality, the superwoman kind of thing. Uh Most importantly, we lack trauma training. And as a professional pet sitter, you are going to experience trauma, either going to witness it, you're going to experience it. And we as professional pet sitters have no trauma training. And I think this is partly the industry's fault, but it's also something that we as people need to look into in order to further our career. There's three more things. Identification with those in our care. So, of course, we identify with the pets that we're caring for. We just take it on. It's part of our personality and it's what we do. Lastly would be a non-supportive work environment or unsupportive friends and family. The work environment makes sense because pet sitters spend so much time alone, so they don't have a tendency to reach out for help when they need it. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to your friends and family, you know, you can educate them. You can sit them down and say, you know, this is the career path that I've chosen, and this is what my job entails. And it is a real job, and I care for living things, so my job is important. So those eight things I think most of us have in common as far as being professional pet sitters. Yeah, wow, you just really articulated that very well. It also sounds very similar to how other pet sitters could figure out if they're suffering from it. Those things that you described, right? If anyone kind of heard what you were saying and perked an ear, I would welcome them to take a deeper look and maybe even take the quiz that you have on your website. (laughs) I'm totally throwing that in there now, but your website, hollycdcook.com, is fantastic. You have a quiz right here that anyone can go to that website right now and take the quiz. If if something that Holly just said perks your ears, go to her website, take that quiz, and start getting some answers and seeing if it's actually classified as compassion fatigue or is it burnout. So tell us what burnout is because that is definitely the widely used term because I don't think a lot of people know that there's compassion fatigue and what the differences are. So can you break that down for our listeners? Sure. Burnout is different than compassion fatigue, whereas burnout stems from the environment in which you work. So it derives its depth of frustration from your low job satisfaction. So it's like you don't like your job very much, but you continue to go to work. And it builds up over time from excessive and prolonged stress at your job. So you really no longer have the desire to do the job that you've been called to do. It isn't related to trauma in any way, and it can be associated with working with difficult people. Burnout is temporary, and it doesn't really change your worldview, so your job doesn't adversely affect you. A vacation can alleviate the symptoms of burnout or a change in jobs, whereas compassion fatigue compels you to continue to work in your job. Burnout leaves you less than enthusiastic about your job, but compassion fatigue compels you to continue to work. A person suffering compassion fatigue will find themselves working harder and demanding perfection from themselves, but in actuality, they're accomplishing less and falling further and further behind. Compassion fatigue is not a disease, but it's a state of mental, emotional, and physical distress, and it comes with a set of individualized symptoms. 
And I can list the symptoms if you'd like me to. Yes, and then I would love it if you have it in a doc so I could put it in our show notes to our listeners because this is such great information. It's so rich, but I'm sure at one point they're going to want to be like, wait, wait, what did you say? Okay, go back, <laughs> go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we put it a little bit in the show notes. A lot of it's on your website too, again, thehomestycook.com. But yes, why don't you go through that list? I'd love to hear it. Okay, I'll just go through it quickly, and if you have questions, just stop me. So the symptoms um, can vary, but many of them are universal. So the first one would be bone-tired exhaustion. That's exhaustion that's so extreme your bones are tired. I know that many people are nodding their heads, like I can see it in my head, that people are going, yeah, I get <laughs> Insomnia is a symptom. Persistent physical ailments like stomach aches and headaches that you really don't have an explanation for, but you're getting them and you're suffering from them. A big one is apprehension, just feeling like you're on guard all the time. An over-exaggerated startle reflex, and this one's kind of cute. I have a funny story about this one. When I was suffering from compassion fatigue, my startle reflex was very over-exaggerated, and my husband came up behind me one day and tried to poke me in the ribs, just kind of playfully poke me in the ribs, and I turned around and I swung at him with my fist and almost broke his nose. So those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. I mean, it was just an over-exaggerated reflex to what was happening because normally it would be just, you know, he pokes me in the ribs and I turn around and, but no, I I almost broke his nose. So continuing on, anxiety is a symptom, depression, Uh abnormal anger. So it it all could be misdirected anger as well. It's just anger that's not normal for you. Let's say that your pet's sitting for a dog that peed on the rug, and all of a sudden you find yourself angry at the dog, whereas Uh normally you wouldn't be because these things happen. So that's a red flag right there. Rumination or obsessive thoughts about an incident, let's say that you've just experienced a trauma and you keep going over and over the details in your mind, what could I have done differently? That's a red flag. Clumsiness, not feeling centered or feeling like your brain's just not attached to your body, um, that's a red flag. Nightmares and flashbacks, that's a huge red flag when the nightmares and the flashbacks start. Difficulty concentrating and forgetfulness, that's not associated with old age. <laughs> because as I age, I find that I'm getting forgetful and it has nothing to do with compassion fatigue. But if it's, some, if it's something that's not normal for you and like you forget where you put stuff a lot, that might be yeah. something worth delving into. Yeah. If you tend to isolate yourself from other people, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Inability to make a decision. So like for me, it was I couldn't figure out what to make for dinner. And that was mm-hmm. very difficult to decide what to make for dinner. Intrusive imagery is a huge red flag. Reduced ability to feel empathy or sympathy towards people or animals, another big red flag. And the biggest red flag of all is a denial of any of those symptoms. That was just like such a very inclusive list. There was a lot of things on there. So tell me, do you need everything on that list or some of them or where is that line? The line, I would say, is when you start to lose your ability to care for the animals that are in your charge. I believe, for me, the line was when I started having nightmares and starting having intrusive imagery during the course of the day. I started Mm -hmm. with denial. Of course, everybody will. But if I was out walking a dog and all of a sudden, you know, I get this flash of an imagery of a dog that I helped that had been in trauma, that's when I knew I was in trouble. Mm -hmm. I fought with compassion fatigue for four years before I even realized that it had a name. So... Mm -hmm. My mission is to just try to educate people and try to get people to start talking about this because the sooner you catch it, 
the easier it is to adjust your life in order to live with it. It's an ongoing process. I know you have a lot of mompreneurs out there. You and I are both them. You know, we both have kids. We are talking, and the book is specifically about pet sitters and pets, but can this be applied in other areas? I know that you talk about veterinarians. I know it's not just for pet sitters. I want to make that clear. Like, this compassion fatigue is not limited to just the pet industry. No, compassion fatigue can happen to anybody in any kind of caring role. I mean, it's the whole gamut of caring from being a mom with, you know, a special needs kid to, Mm -hmm. you know, being an adult caring for an aging parent to a veterinarian to a firefighter Mm -hmm. and a police officer. Anybody in a, even a vegan can suffer from compassion fatigue. So it's Mm not, I'm dealing with pet sitters because... That's your industry. That's what, yeah. Yeah. I was a pet sitter and and compassion fatigue hit me and I started to delve into, you know, trying to find some help. There's nothing out there specifically for pet sitters. And I believe that pet sitters are more vulnerable because we not only care for pets, but we care for our clients. So we're straddling two worlds there. So we're getting Mm -hmm. like a double dose. And (laughs) when I started to do the research, there just wasn't anything out there that was specific for pet sitters. So that's kind of what compelled me to write the book. It was part of the process of healing, but it was also, you know, to get the information out there to help educate my fellow pet sitters. It's so great. And I know that you've already been contacted from different people, you know, that has said, yes, thank you for writing this because maybe they did know something was wrong, but none of their thoughts or fears were validated because like you said, when you go out there, there's nothing to talk specifically about this industry. But on the same hand, I want our listeners to know that it's not just our industry as well, because, you know, I have so many people that are in my groups that I coach, that I talk to, all different kinds of things up and down, you know, and not just, but caring for their parents or their firefighter husband or, you know, all kinds of situations. So, oh, I just love what you're doing. And that's why I begged you to do this podcast with me. It's just, it's such great, like, could be life-saving you know, yes. information, what you're yes. doing. And I would just give you a big hug if you're in front of me. So Aww, um, it's really that. great to hear that all that compelled you to write it because that also compels me to help shout it from the rooftops to help get it out there as much as possible. Yeah, so, I appreciate um, your support. Yeah, absolutely. So what other projects are you working on? Because I hear that you got something else in the works around the I same do. kind of topic. Tell us about I that. I do. Well, I've got two conferences coming up, one in October in Las Vegas and one in February in San Antonio, where I'm doing mm-hmm. just, you know, a presentation about compassion fatigue. But the big news is that I am writing a workbook specifically for pet sitters about compassion fatigue. I'm not a psychologist, and I need to say that right up front, yeah. but I am certified as a compassion fatigue educator through the University of Tennessee. So this workbook is going to be called right now. The working title is A Pet Sitter's Guide to Compassion Fatigue. And this workbook is going to be something that is going to be educational for pet sitters, but it's also going to be something that they can do at their own pace because pet sitters are busy, busy people. And I know they have a business to run and I know that they have dogs to walk and clients to tend to. So it's going to be a self-paced workbook that they can delve into, write their thoughts and feelings about, take a break from if they need to. But it's Mm -hmm. going to be simple enough that they'll be able to figure out if they are suffering from compassion fatigue and what they can do to help themselves heal. I love that. That is such a great thing. And I'm thinking in my marketing mind, of course, I'm thinking you start up your own private Facebook group. You kind of have a little bit of a 
book club, but not really, you know, because you yeah. have to do it at your own your own pace there. But just yeah. other like-minded people going through it. Oh, wow, that's so cool, Holly. Thanks. That is so cool. So I want everyone to know that this book, My End of the Leash, Compassion Fatigue from a Pet Sitter's Perspective, truly is from a pet sitter's perspective. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't sure what I was getting when I knew – you said it was available on Amazon. I, like, was one of the first ones to go get it, <laughs> read it. I think it, you were actually the review. first person to buy it. Yeah, I think you were. Yeah. <laughs> Because I know how important it is to get those reviews going on Amazon so that you do yeah. come up in the rankings. So, you guys, if you go to Amazon now and search for My End of the Leash, Compassion Fatigue from a Pet Sitter's Perspective, or Holly Cook, I'm sure it'll come up. Um, just make sure you leave her a review. I'm going to stress that for you. And you can do it on Kindle, too. But the thing is, is that, Holly, like I said, I wasn't sure what I was getting into when I did order mm-hmm. this. You know, I didn't know if it was going to be some, no offense, but boring, over-my-head, psychological, like, yes. scientific book that I yep. get in college, you know? Right, it's very clinical. Enough, yes, it was very yes. relatable because it basically told your whole life story. I feel like I know you. Oh, <laughs> um, thanks. And it started from when you were a kid and all the way up until present day and, you know, through getting married and having your child. But the main force and the thing that drove it were your experiences of trauma and good and bad stuff, you know, with pets and as your life grew with pets and how it just kind of kept piling on and piling on and piling on. And it was awesome because you were so authentic and transparent. And that's a a very brave thing for you to do. You know, Uh, not everyone will just, okay, here's all my cards, you know? Yeah. by doing that, I think you've really opened the door for many people to feel comfortable to also mm-hmm. do that themselves or to at least seek help and go to your website right. and take that quiz. What do you guys think I want you to do? Take her quiz on her website, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, Holly, before we close, is there anything else that you want to add or that I've missed? We can get your book on Amazon, right, right now. The book is available on Amazon. The workbook is a work in progress right now. That probably won't be available until springtime. But on the website, there are several other books, workbooks that I do recommend. However, Mm -hmm. they are clinical, like you said. And my Mm -hmm. mission is to make my workbook friendly for the pet sitter and relatable. And I think that's what's so important. And even if there's someone out there who has an inkling that they're suffering, yeah. take the quiz yeah. or peruse my website or join our Facebook page and ask questions and talk about it. That's the most mm-hmm. important thing is to keep the discussion going and have people talk about it. There's a stigma about having compassion fatigue, and there shouldn't be. It's a natural consequence of what we do. It happens. And the most yeah. important thing is to talk about it because we don't want to lose a life to compassion fatigue if we can talk about it. Yes, and you have definitely started talking about it. And you make it more accessible if you do want to get more into the clinical. But what you did is you you chipped away the top of that ice. You got people talking about it, interested in it. And even people that aren't affected will now actually be equipped with the information yes. to help people that might come across their life that, you know, do yes. need these resources. Right. So for me and all the other pet sitters in the industry, thank you. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Bella. I appreciate that. Of course. All right, everyone. So this has been another episode of Bella in Your Business. Please go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. 
You can also find us on facebook.com backslash Bella in your business. Have a great day and keep on jumping. Thanks for jumping with Bella in your business. For more information, free articles, free coaching sessions, and more, go to jumpconsulting.net. And remember, Bella's got your shoot.